0: Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go.
1: This morning, we're getting into a brand new series. Now, here's something that I want to just bring to your attention. And uh, obviously, you probably are aware of this. But you know, when it comes to church, there are all different kinds of people that come to church or that are in the church building on a Sunday morning. You realize that there are people that uh, are not Christians, but something's moving on their heart and they just feel the need that they need to get some things aligned or right with god and so they start coming to church but they've not yet made a decision to follow jesus yet and then there are those that come to church and people that you sit next to that man they've just recently received christ into their life and and now there's this brand new journey of becoming a christian and living this life with god and coming to know him and then there are those people in the church that they've been in the church for a little while. They've, they've been in church either for a few years or several years. But man, God is continuing to grow and develop them in their walk with God. And they just they love God more today than they ever did before. And then there are those that have been in the church for decades, and they think that they are stellar Christians and that they're so matured because they've been in the church forever, but yet they sit in their pompous attitude and judgment and criticism on everybody else, all the while they're dying and stagnating spiritually because they think, well, bless the Lord, I've been in church for a long time, and so that makes me a mature Christian. But all the while, they're just as much as the baby that just received Christ because they just refuse to grow. Amen. You understand that there's all kinds of people in the church, and hopefully you're not one of the latter, but you're somewhere there in the middle saying, man, I just want to know God more. Amen. And so as we begin to share this new series with you this morning, my desire, my expectation, I'm putting my faith on this to see that there are barriers in all of our lives that we are taking the next step. There's barriers that have held us back, held us captive, or stunted our spiritual growth, if you will. But as we lay out this series, we're going to begin to see God break down those barriers and we take a step further in knowing who He is and walking in a greater knowledge and an understanding in relationship with Jesus. Amen. How many of you, that's your prayer? I just want to know God more. Amen? Say it with me. Say, I want to know God more. I want to have a real relationship with Jesus. I want to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. And do what he's called me to do. Amen. Well, some of you just weren't sure what you wanted to say there. But I trust. Man, I'm just believing that if you said that, God's going to hook up with it. Praise the Lord. Because the Bible says you'll have whatever you say. Come on, just say it with me again. Say it like you mean it. Say, I just want to fall in love with Jesus. I want to know God. I want to grow in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm hungry for the Word of God. Amen. Come on, I'm telling you what. You realize that, uh, in fact, my kids, uh, my wife, she made a a dinner yesterday and the kids are out playing. And, And, you know, the food is smelling good. But, you know, when you're all distracted, you know, you want to play and have your fun. You know, you're not really, really ready to eat, nor do you realize that you're really hungry. But then come at the end of the night, my son came in and he says, Mom, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Well, listen, God's moving and there's a hunger that is taking place on the inside. You may not realize it. You might be thinking, man, I've been playing on the fence for all my life. I've just been playing. But God says, now's the time. And it's time that we're getting hungry for Him. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Well, do you recall uh, that in regards to just words in which we speak, uh, there is slang words that oftentimes we use. And, you know, there's times that those words change over the years, over the decades. And uh, there's times when they change and you hear the new slang word, and you're like, that just sounds so weird. But all of a sudden, you find yourself either using it or after you've used it for a little bit, then you find yourself, man, it's just kind of second nature. I just, you know, I I use that word. I use those words in my vocabulary. So let me just kind of pull back the curtain, if you will, and go back a few decades. And so let me ask you the question, who in this room has ever used these kind of words? Far out. Groovy. Groovy. Come on, if you've ever used those words, far out, groovy, raise your, raise your hands. Like, ha, 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 I got a few. Now that's kind of dating you, isn't it? It's going back a, a few decades. Oh man, far out, groovy, man. All right, what about this? Uh, maybe you've said this, cool or awesome. Yeah, we've all used those words, right? I remember as I was growing up, I used these words, boy, that's rad or radical, man. Or if it was good, you'd say, oh man, that's bad. Or maybe you've heard this one, totally tubular, man. How <laughs> many ever used that one? <laughs> Amen. So once again, we've used different slang words, if you will. Now, in more modern days, you'll hear words like this. Oh, man, that's tight. Oh, that's sick. Oh, wicked. Oh, that's dope. Or maybe you've heard this one. Oh, m (laughs) j right oh my gosh can you believe that right so slang words or words have changed over the history of our existence right and we've learned how to adapt to the vocabulary of the time or the culture in which we're living in and so there is a vocabulary to the kingdom of god There is a way in which Christians can begin to talk, but once again, you have to change or understand that there is a way that is necessary or a way to talk, and therefore, you'll begin to change that as time goes on. And so, therefore, the title of our new series is called Churchy Words and More. And so, we're going to look at some of the vocabulary of things that you hear in church, Now, for instance, if you've been raised in church, and when I say church, I'm talking a Christian uh, believer-oriented church, some of these words might be commonplace to you. But now, if you've just recently received Christ into your life, or maybe uh, you're just new to coming to church, or maybe your background, uh, maybe you went to church from time to time, but it was more religious or religion that you partook of rather than knowing who God is. These churchy words might be something that you're not familiar with, but it is important to understand that there is a vocabulary. That we must adapt ourselves to or begin to become familiar with. Now, once again, when you think about it, just being a young Christian or somebody that's really not grown, hasn't grown a whole lot in their walk with God, how many of you understand that you can get self conscious about talking like a Christian? And I I say that if you're young, but listen, if you're older, Uh, There's times that you can probably get self-conscious as well in talking like a Christian, depending on who you're around. But isn't it interesting how we have found ourselves becoming self-conscious of talking like a believer around mixed company. But have you ever noticed that people that don't know God don't have any qualms about talking the way that they want to? I mean, you hear people, they'll just curse They'll use vulgarity, profanity. They'll talk off color or tell a dirty joke or something of that nature. And they don't think anything of it. It's just second nature to them, right? I mean, I was talking to a young man. Oh, this was a couple months ago. He came to our church and blessed his heart. He he actually received Jesus on that particular uh, given Sunday morning. But, you know, he's just... Never been in church. It's all new to him. And so we're down here in the cafe, and we're having a coffee. And so as he's talking to me, every other word is swearing. And, and, and I didn't let it faze me. I mean, I didn't let it show on my face like, oh my gosh, you're saying that in church? No, he just didn't know any different because that's what he's accustomed to. That's the culture that he's around, right? But yet we as believers, there ought to be a vocabulary that we become accustomed to, Right? I mean, my wife and I, we were in Sam's the other day. And, uh, uh, oh gosh, just, I said the other day, maybe about a month ago, and we were getting some stuff, and we saw this young family, uh, a man and a woman, and they had their child in the cart seat, you know, pushing around. And, oh, I don't know, the child must have been maybe three, maybe four. And so they started to interact with us, and the conversation started out pleasant. You know, hey, how you doing, blah, 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 blah. And then it turned got political, and got into all the current events. And the moment that it turned current or current events, the woman's vocabulary changed, and every other word was F this and F that and F this. And I'm like, wow. But she didn't have any qualms. She didn't know who we were. And she didn't have any qualms talking like that in front of her child. Now, once again, we can sit here and be critical, but you realize that the culture that you're around or raised in is what simply becomes part of who you are. But if you become a Christian and you hang around the family of God and it becomes your culture, how many of you know you start to talk different? Amen. And that's important. And once again, it's important to understand some of the vocabulary that's a part of our culture And here's the reason, it's because words matter. And whether you realize it or not, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, the words in which you speak matter. Because once again, the woman in Sam's guaranteed that because of her vocabulary, that little boy is going to be letting the F word fly down the road, right? And he don't know what that means. He's just repeating what he hears. So words are important. So today, we're going to start with the basics. Now, I say basics, but basics are foundational, right? And so you might say, oh, well, that's just so elementary. But listen, if you don't understand the elementaries, you can never move on to grade school. You can never move on to middle school. You can never move on to high school. You can never move on to college and and to uh, graduate school, right? You've got to understand the foundations. And so today we're going to start with the basics. Now, something that we have to understand is that every single person is born into a fallen world. And every single person, at the moment that they're born, they are born with a sin Nature. So, in other words, at birth, there is the inclination to sin the moment they enter into this world. Now, how many of you have ever recognized, if you've had children, can think back to when they were young, or if you have young ones now, how many of you can relate to say that they don't have to or they don't need any help to sin? Or, or I could say it this way. Uh, have you ever seen that your child needs help to lie to you? No. I mean, they got the Oreo cookies smeared across their face, and you say, did you eat that cookie? No. Did you eat that cookie? Mm-mm. What's on your face? I don't know. Well, the cookies are gone. Did you eat them? No right? You don't need to give a child permission to lie. They'll do it on their own, right? Why? Because from birth, they are born into a fallen world, and the sin nature is in man, and that's the whole reason why Jesus came, is because of the sin nature within man. They were eternally separated from god and so jesus said i've come to fix this problem i've come so that you could have a relationship with me and so that we could deal with this sin issue amen now with that being said over in isaiah chapter 7 isaiah chapter 7 it gives us an example or leads us to believe that when it comes to the life of a human being there is what we would call the Age of Accountability. Now what that means is, is that there comes a period in a time when you come to an age that you know the difference between right or wrong, good and evil. Or you have the inclination of choosing right or wrong, right? And so what that means is, is that prior to having the ability to discern good or bad, Your spirit is innocent before God. And so again, if a child or a baby were to die prematurely, they'd go to heaven. But there comes a point in the time when a child gets old enough, getting into either early adolescence or teenage years, where they begin to have an an understanding of choice of doing what's good, right, or wrong. And therefore, they begin to have an accountability as to their eternal salvation. Now, in addition to that, now again, this isn't something that you necessarily find laid out in the Bible, but again, theologians kind of uh, wrestle or kind of uh, talk about this in terms of agreement. And that is, as concerning the age of accountability, would be nearly around the age of 12 years of age. And again, that's not ironclad. When they turn 12, They're either going to heaven or going to hell. It's just simply around the age of 12, they start to develop an understanding. And one of the things that we have as an example is Jesus at the age of 12 was in the temple or the synagogues reasoning with the religious leaders, and he was learning. And the Bible says at that moment, he was growing in wisdom and in stature. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Because Jesus is Jesus. He was God. Yeah, he was God, but he was 100% man. And if you're just all God, then him growing in wisdom and in stature has no reference or has no bearing. So the scripture is telling us that he is growing like a natural human being, like a normal boy, and he's growing in wisdom. And at the age of 12, it gives us that picture into his life. Are you tracking with me? So, here's the, the, the uh, oh, the, 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 the weight of it, if you will, is that our children are subject to us as moms and dads. Because there is going to be a time when they stand before God and they have to give an account for their own eternal salvation. Now, you might say, well, they didn't know. They didn't know to receive Jesus Where were you? Because it was your job as a mom and dad. Well, I didn't know. Okay, well, who didn't teach you? You see how this is generational? And it's either going to be passed down one side or the other of what gets passed down from one generation to the next, either walking with God or without God. So, therefore, they're going to stand before God, and God's going to say, Hey, listen, either I do know you or I don't know you. And they're going to start looking around and say, Mom, Dad... How come? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you teach me? Why didn't you help me know God? Or they're going to say, man, I'm so grateful for mom and dad because they helped me have a relationship with God. And you can't stand before God and claim ignorance. You can't say, God, well, I didn't know. And especially in this kind of a church, our church, you can't stand before God and say, well, that pastor never told us. It's his fault. No, because I've got a responsibility as a pastor to help you, right? And again, that's not being judgmental or that's not uh, a pointing fingers. That's just simply saying, hey, if we know, now we can make some adjustments, right? Because there is a salvation or there is a heaven to gain and a hell to stay away from, praise God. And so once again, in regards to this life, God wants us to come into a relationship with Him. And this relationship with Him is what we would call being born again. Now remember I said we're talking about churchy words. Being born again is one of those churchy words that either you may or may not be aware of or uh, have knowledge of. I remember when I worked for General Motors, I worked for General Motors for about 10 years. And the last place that I worked at, there was this fellow on the end of the line. He packaged and, and uh, took the product off the line and put it in uh, uh, bins for shipment. And he was kind of a, a grumpy old guy. But once you got to know him, he was fairly pleasant. He would let you kind of get to know him a little bit. But as I was working next to him one day, uh, he was an alcoholic. He would go out uh, in the parking lot. He would drink all During his lunch break, come in, he'd smell like alcohol. He would be just, you know, that's just how he functioned. But anyways, this one particular day, I was working right next to him. And he knew that I was a minister at the time. Uh, I was an associate uh, pastor. And he said to me, he says, so, you're a minister, huh? And I said, yep. He said, are you one of those born-again Christians? And he said it kind of like, well, I've heard about you born-again people. Well, he was raised Catholic, whether he had any kind of real upbringing. But you realize there's a difference of going to church and having a religious experience or going to church and actually getting to know God personally for yourself. So this understanding or being born again was not something that he was familiar with or it was something that he thought was just a little bit strange. But when it comes to being born again, it is a churchy word that we see in the Bible. It is something that we can look at and begin to get clarity on. But before we do, there's something else that I want to bring to your attention. And that is over in... Well, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give this to you before I get there. Praise God. All right. Uh, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, starting in verse 3. There was a gentleman that Jesus was talking to. And he came to Jesus in sincerity of heart. And he says, Jesus, he says, how must... I inherit eternal life. And Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, did you see that? Now, that is in the Bible, the words born again are spoken by Jesus himself. So, when we talk about being a born-again believer or a born-again Christian, this is the context in which we get it from because Jesus spoke to it. But as many don't understand it, this man didn't understand it either. He says to Jesus, he said, I must be born again. He says, must I enter my mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus said, no, there is being born of water and being born of the Spirit. Being born of water, meaning that the natural pregnancy or the mother, her water breaks and she gives birth. That's the natural birth. But then there is the spiritual birth where you receive Christ and Jesus comes into your heart. Now, we'll look at that in just a moment. But this is simply what we would call the new birth experience. Now, once again, this is a churchy word that some of you might be familiar with. But when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, when you receive Christ, forgiveness of sin, when you're born again, this is, again, the new birth experience. Now, before you receive Jesus, look at what it says in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 6 and 7. It says, and when he comes home, He says, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and is saying to them, he says, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep, which was lost. All right, stop there for just a moment. Notice what Jesus, he's giving a parable here. He's telling a story. And he says, this man had a sheep and now it's found. And he says to his friends and his neighbors, Rejoice with me, because my sheep that was lost is now found. So before you ever received Jesus in the churchy context or the churchy words, you were what was called lost. Have you ever heard us use those words before or heard it said before? You know, we're looking to win the lost. Those are those people that are apart from Christ. And so notice this as it continues in verse 7. It says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So one sinner, a person that was lost, a person that was on their way to hell, receives Christ, repents. It says, man, there is a party that's going on in heaven because you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Amen. So once again, there was a time before Christ or B.C. when God looked at you and said, you were lost. Oh, but when you said, Jesus, come into my heart. He said, Oh, my sheep has been found. Amen. And there's much joy. Come on, how many of you know that salvation or somebody receiving Jesus is the most supernatural miracle that can even happen? And there are people that say, Oh, God, don't do miracles today. If people are receiving Jesus today, Oh, they were once going to hell, but now going to heaven. Come on, that's a miracle. That's supernatural because you can't do it by yourself. It's only by what Jesus came to do. Oh, praise God. And so it's important for us to understand some of these churchy words, if you will, because it begins to help us understand where we are or where God wants us to be or where others are. All right. So once again, before you receive Jesus, the scripture says that you were lost. Or you might hear us say, unsaved. Or you might hear something like this. The people are those that are in the world. Those that are in the world are those that are apart from Christ. You remember Jesus said this. He says, you're in the world, but you're not of it. So we live in this world, but we're not doing all the things that the people of the world do, or meaning just carnal people. All right? So how do I receive eternal life? Once again, that man asked the question, he says, how do I receive eternal life? And Jesus said, you must be born again, but what does it look like to be born again? What's the process? Well, we find the answer over in Romans chapter 10. Now, once again, depending on your church background, you might have heard it expressed this way, the Romans road. Anybody familiar with that terminology? The Romans road. What that means is there's the road map to get to Jesus and it's found in the book of Romans. Alright, so in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 8, it says this, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, You will be saved. Did you hear those words? You will be saved. Now, let me just stop there for a moment. There are those that you would ask the question, are you going to heaven? Are you saved? Are you a Christian? And their answer would quickly say, well, yes. And so the next question is, is how do you know? And so some might say, because I believe in God. Did you know that believing in God does not get you to heaven? Well, I believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus does not get you to heaven. You say, well, I thought it did. Didn't it just say something like that? No, do you you realize that the devil and all the demons of hell believe in God and believe in Jesus more than you can even begin to imagine? They had a personal relationship with the both of them. They saw them face to face on a daily uh, basis. So they believe in God and believe in Jesus more than you could even begin to fathom. But they're not in heaven. So believing in God or just saying, I believe, does not make you a Christian. All right, so let's back up and look at this again. It says, the word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith in which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the only way that you have salvation is by believing, but then saying or confessing Jesus. Confession is unto the salvation. Verse 11. For the Scripture says, "Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame." For there is no uh, distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord, for the same Lord, over all is rich to all, and call uh, who call upon Him. Then verse thirteen: For whoever, everybody say, whoever. How many of you are a whosoever's in here? Are you a whoever? Yeah. So that just means anybody. Now, some of you, you might say, well, I've messed up. No, he says, whoever. You might say, well, you don't know my past. He says, whoever. Well, I'm a man, I'm a woman. Whoever. I'm old, I'm young. Whoever. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. So, you've heard the terminology of being born again. Or you've heard somebody say, well, I got saved on such and such a date. You got saved? Saved from what? What it means is is that you confessed Jesus to be Lord. And upon that moment, you were saved or you were saved and rescued from hell. How many of you are glad that you don't have to go to hell? Come on, somebody. Praise God. Man, God loves me and loves you so much that you uh, you don't uh, have to go. You've been rescued, and you can be saved. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right, so as I said, this is the whole reason why Jesus came. It's the greatest miracle that man has ever known. And the Bible says that the moment that you receive Jesus, listen, there there was a marked day in heaven when you confessed Jesus. It says that there was Tremendous joy in heaven. So listen, if you've got loved ones that have went home before you, they know the day that you received Jesus. You say, how? Because heaven had a party the day you asked Jesus into your life. They probably know the date better than you do. In fact, for myself, there was so many times that I asked Jesus to save me over the years. Oh, God, forgive me. (laughs) Please save me. Come into my life. How many of you asked to be saved multiple times throughout your life? Oh, praise God. Yes. Many of us have. And to say this is the date that I received Jesus, I couldn't tell you. But I can tell you that there are those in heaven that know the day and saw the experience and saw when Jesus rescued me from hell. Amen. Again, God... Has made provision for us to know him. Now, with that being said, he says, Those that call on the name of the Lord. Those that call on the name of the Lord. Now, here's the thing that I want you to understand, and this gets a little bit fuzzy. Not fuzzy, but I guess it just, you can kind of split some hairs with it, if you will. But you know, there are people that will confess Jesus based on emotion meaning that there's a message that the pastor's preaching, and he's talking about hell, and you don't want to go to hell. So they're like, well, yeah, I want, I want Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. But it was an emotion based on fear of hell that you said, okay, you twist my arm, I'll receive Jesus. So it's questionable whether somebody actually is born again. Now, that's not for me to choose or for me to, to judge. But I don't want to make a decision to ask Jesus into my heart merely because I'm afraid to go to hell. And you also understand that people can make decisions to pray a prayer, if you will, because of emotions. You know, the music's playing just so, and it's kind of hooped up, and people are just starting to respond. And so you're like, well, yeah, I think I better respond. And so you raise your hand, and you pray the prayer. But once again, there's a sincerity of heart not driven by emotions. Because the word itself that says all that call on the name of the Lord is defined as a calling or it is an appeal or a genuine worship toward God. Or in other words, you could say it this way, there's a genuine conversion. That means that you genuinely ask Jesus into your heart, Because you recognized you needed a Savior. You recognized that you were a sinner. You recognized you were going to hell. And you recognized that apart from God, your fate is sealed. And for a genuine acknowledgement of what Jesus did, and a reverence and a worship and an appeal, you say, Jesus, come into my heart. That's a genuine conversion. And let me tell you something. When there is a genuine conversion of Christ coming into your heart and in your life, you'll have an encounter. And let me say this. If you've ever had an encounter with Jesus, your life will never be the same. If you're saying, I don't know whether I ever had an encounter with Jesus, then let me tell you, you haven't. Because if you've had an encounter with Jesus, you would remember. Because at that moment, your life forever changes. I'm not saying that you don't have ups and downs. See, the heavens are singing with us. I don't know what's going on, but praise the Lord. I mean, it's getting thick in here, man. Jesus is about ready to save somebody. (laughs) Amen. So praise God. Are you here with me this morning? God wants us to have a true encounter with him. Now, what does that look like? Look at what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, therefore, if any person is engrafted into Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. A new creation or creature altogether, the old, the previous moral and spiritual condition, has passed away. Behold, uh, the fresh and the new has come. Now listen, when you receive Christ into your life, you've still got this flesh man that might have tendencies and desires and shortcomings, but something happened on the inside when you had a genuine conversion of Jesus coming into your heart. And I'm telling you what, you cannot be the same. Because there's an internal dwelling and knowing and a desire of God in your life. Let me give you another footnote to that scripture. It says, this would include our old identity, our old life of sin, the power that Satan has over us, the religious works of trying to please God, our old relationships with the world, our old mindsets. We are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The moment that you ask Jesus into your life, God himself comes and lives in you. And if God lives in you, you cannot help but have a changed life. You can't help but see things different, feel things different, see people different, because God lives in you. And as I said already, if you cannot identify that you've had an encounter with Jesus... Then you haven't. Because one encounter will change your life forever. Now there might be times that you slip back and there might be times that you struggle. There might be times that you have ups and downs but I'm telling you there will be an internal pull and desire to know Him like never before. Even when it feels as though you're slipping and getting further away, there's something on the inside that keeps pulling and drawing you to Jesus. Because what He does is He places a hunger on the inside of you. I can't tell you how many times that I've slipped off the path But all the while, man, there was such a pulling on the inside. I've been in some dark places in life. But all the while, I've felt the hand of God leading me, loving on me, drawing me back. And just in the event that you think that you've just messed up one too many times, Let me share you this story of my brother-in-law. Just real quickly, stand with me if you will. My brother-in-law, you've heard me share in the past that he's a Muslim man. He's not a practicing Muslim, but he would identify himself as Muslim. So he worships Allah. But just, oh, maybe three or four years ago, He got extremely sick, was in intensive care. They thought he was going to die. Kelly's sister called her. And you know what the call was, hey sis, pray, I don't care how far you are, there comes a point in time when you know it's time to call on Jesus. And so we began to pray, and Kelly said, God, he can't go. Because if he goes, he's going to hell, and he can't. I won't let him go. And so we prayed. He came out of intensive care, but on the back end, he shared this story. He said, all the while that I was in ICU, there was a man in white standing up against the wall. My backslidden sister-in-law says, Was it Jesus? He says, I don't know who he was. I simply said to him, I'm not ready to go. He wasn't ready to acknowledge that it was Jesus. We know that it was because we asked Jesus to show up. But even in the midst of him not being ready, he already knew that he wasn't ready. So obviously Allah is not the answer. Because if it were, he would have said, I've got peace within my soul. But upon seeing a man in white, he says, I'm not ready. Listen, if you're here today and you're saying, I just want more of God, you're in the right place at the right time. If you know people that don't know Jesus, you're in the right place at the right time. Because I'm telling you what, things are happening. There's a tsunami that's coming. This place is going to be filled. God's moving in this region. You say, how do I know? Because I'm not giving up and I'm not letting God have a restful moment because God, you are moving in this place. This place needs Jesus. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people. I pray for this region. I pray for the people that are listening or watching online. Anyone under the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus, they would sense the pulling and the drawing of the Holy Spirit. For this is the hour to receive and turn and come from a place of being lost and now being found. So we thank you, Father, for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. Remember, Wednesday night, church prayer, 6 o'clock. Let's pray down heaven.
0: Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.